Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. We've been doing a lot of episodes recently, releasing about two a day, and I'm grateful for the people that step forward and want to share their stories. And I like to share as many stories as possible. And we have a wonderful guest for you today. The thing you can do to support me and the podcast is just the things you've been doing is go to Desert Book, leave a review there on my book, Listen, Learn, and Love, Embracing LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. That means a lot, particularly at Desert Book, where um, believing members of the church are trying to figure out resources that are helpful to them to learn about our LGBTQ friends. You can go to Amazon and also leave a review there. You can leave a review uh, at Apple on this podcast platform, wherever you're leave, listening, but especially on Apple, iTunes, I read those, and those are helpful for other listeners to know if they should engage in these stories. Um, for those of you who've left reviews, really appreciate your help. It helps to get the word of the podcast out. Um, we're up to maybe every podcast now has over 10,000 listens, many are 20,000 listens, and um, it's just the podcast guests are the real heroes of the podcast. And um, we have one of those that I'll now introduce, my friend, Tim Wright. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. Hi, thank you. We're recording this on a Sunday afternoon. Tim's in a tie and a shirt, came straight from church. I have changed into more casual clothes. Um, But it's a beautiful Sunday afternoon here in Salt Lake where we're recording. Um, A little introduction on Tim. Tim's going to tell his story as a gay Latter-day Saint. He is 29 years old. He came out recently in May of 2021. So for 29 years, 28 years, Tim didn't share this part about him with anyone. Um, So he'll talk about just his journey and what caused him at age 29 roughly to come out. Tim is a return missionary from Spain. Malaga. And that's one of the missions that folded into Barcelona or Madrid. Is that right? Yeah, it did. Yeah. And my wife and I have been to Spain and love that country. Um, Tim is not a city guy. He grew up in Morgan, Utah. And what I know of Morgan, Utah, it's a great town. I don't know if I call it a town or a city. It often has the coldest temperatures in the morning lows in the wintertime in Utah. Is that true? Like I don't know if they're the lowest, but it does get really cold. You wake up a lot of times with just frost everywhere. Woke up multiple times with grass, just a sheet of ice. <laughs> and so anyway, Tim may share a little bit about that. Tim um, went to Utah State after his mission has a degree um, in education around teaching math and statistics and now works for the Ogden School District and has a great career, has had great education, and I sense is in a really good spot. Um, Tim's active in his ward. He's open about being gay, and um, he'll share a little bit about that. Is that okay for an introduction? Yeah, sounds good. So um, one of the key themes that Tim wants to talk about is just his, how his, I won't, I'll let him tell this story, but he'll talk about how coming out either helped or hurt his relationships with people, because some of you that are closeted may be worried about that, and how his relationship with God changed after coming out, and he'll talk about that. So I won't give the answers to those. I'll let Tim tell that part of the story, but some of you may be wondering about how your relationship with people, including God, may change if you come out. And so let's go back to, maybe I'll just let you start wherever you want to start, Tim. Yeah. Um, So you uh, you mentioned I'm from Morgan. Um, And so growing up, I grew up in a small town, moved there when I was about five. Um, And I loved it. Loved growing up away from the city. Um, We were close to Ogden, and so it was easy to go get all the things we needed. Um, But it was nice being away from people. Um, Being in school, everybody I went to kindergarten with was basically the same people I graduated with. We knew each other really well. Um, and it was, it was an interesting experience because throughout that relationships became really important to me. Um, my friends were my whole world, uh, my family. And so, um, I mean, when I was in high school, um, I knew I was gay, but they didn't. Um, I did everything I could to, to basically mask it, um, to try and hide it. And I, you know, I knew I was gay, but I, even then I don't think I fully accepted it because I didn't want to have that part, um, changed my life in the way that I knew it would eventually. Um, so I was pretty lucky in high school. My friends were really, really great. Um, they were very supportive. Um, and they were a big reason why I was able to form a relationship with God during that time. Um, you know, I was, I, uh, I always made the joke that I was like the worst of my friends because they were just amazing. Um, they were just the kids who were always out serving, always out doing what they could to make the lives of other people better. 
um, and that served as kind of a blueprint for the rest of my life. Um, not only were they super important, but my family was too. Um, so my family, I'm the youngest of seven, um, uh, five boys, two girls, and all of the boys had served missions. And so I knew growing up that I was going to serve a mission. That wasn't really a question. It wasn't something that I had to really ponder. I knew that I wanted to go um, and share what I had felt um, and what I had come to come to learn. Um, and so my mission was an amazing experience. Um, I was able to form some really deep uh, connections with people um, that I'm thankfully still in contact with uh, today, um, both mission companions as well as people who I served with in Spain um, and was able to either bring the gospel into their lives, strengthen it, or really just be a friend. Um, my mission was challenging, and, and this is going to come back later. But while I was on my mission, um, unfortunately, my mom did pass away of cancer. Wow. Um, when I left, uh, she hadn't been diagnosed yet. Wow. Um, and so we got the diagnosis a few months in, a few months later, she had passed. Um, and I didn't realize it at the time, but as I've been on this coming out journey, I realized that I think that's where uh, my anger uh, with God kind of started, um, was on my mission. Um losing my mom because I had been, you know, I was giving it my all. I was doing everything I could. And you're told you get blessings. You're told your family will be taken care of. And unfortunately, in my case, it wasn't how I had expected it to happen. Um, anyway, and so I, I loved my mission, like I said, and and that was hard. Um, but my mom wanted me to stay. My mom had a very strong testimony of the gospel. And so I, I stayed and I'm glad I did because I had an amazing experience. Um, after my mission, I came home. And I you, kind of had to confront. Will you tell our listeners your mom's name? Just to- yeah. Uh, so my mom, uh, her name was Sherry Wright. Um, she uh, she was she was an amazing lady. Um, she served in the church very faithfully, always doing genealogy, reading scriptures, and um, was a uh, always had a calling. So she great. great example to me. Sounds wonderful tribute to your mom. We could probably do an hour podcast oh, yeah. you talking about <laughs> your love for your mom. So yeah, go ahead, go back to your story. Um, so I got home from my mission and, you know, all my mission being gay wasn't really something I focused on. Um, I just got tried to get lost in the work and just knew and had hope and faith that it'll work out after my mission, right? Let's not worry about it now. Let's just work. Got home and I was like, you know, I know that like, the church teaches that my plan is to get married and find a woman. Um, and so I tried, uh, I dated around a little bit and it just was really hard. Um, cause I'd find someone who I got along with, who I thought like, yeah, I could hang out with them. And I took that to mean that I had feelings for them. Um, however, because of that, like I, in the back of my mind was always this thought of like, well, what happens if they find out or what happens if it comes to light? That's not fair to them. And, and that's not fair to you. And so, you know, throughout college, I did try dating um, pretty sporadically um, and, and did have uh, a girlfriend or two, but nothing super serious. Um, however, after I graduated, when I first moved to Ogden, um, I kind of gave up on dating and just was like, I'm just going to live my life, get lost in work. Um, my friends did try setting me up with girls and they were great. And we got along really, really well. And I was able to make some great friendships with them. Um, but once again, always in the back of my mind was that thought of like, what is going to happen if they find out? Um, and so eventually I kind of about two years ago, I'd say I kind of just gave up and I was like, I'm just kind of done. I'm just going to live my life. Um, and, and I kind of had the plan of being single, um, but then COVID happened and as everyone knows, that was a very difficult time. And, um, you know, living in Ogden and I had some siblings close, but not a lot. And so I, I spent a lot of time just with me and some friends and uh, some time to, to reflect on who I am and, and what I want for my future. And it was at that time that I decided, I was like, you know, Tim, like you, you really are gay. Um, that's kind of when the moment hit and I fully accepted, like, this is a part of me and this is who I am. Um, which was a really like life altering moment, not at that time per se, but it definitely shifted the path that I was on. Um, so then after that, I still kind of kept it to myself. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to come out to anybody because this is a part of me and, and yes, I've accepted it, but I don't know if they need to know. Um, well, as time went on, I realized that like, 
I I was gay and it was something that I was tired of of hiding from people. And so this is where the relationships came in. And I was so scared um, of what was going to happen because, you know, as I mentioned, growing up, my family was very religious and a lot of my friends were too, because the church is and was very important to me. It was a big part of my identity. And as we know, right, um, you know, acting on those, the gay feelings is not uh, something that is taught by the church. And so I was afraid of, of what was going to happen to my relationships because uh, they're the most important thing in my life. Um, and so one day, uh, back in May, I had a friend who I knew, and we had talked about a lot of things, nothing along with this, but I knew that she was someone who I could trust, but it was still very hard because how was it going to change my relationship with her? We are best friends. Um, we you know do everything together. And so I was worried about how is this going to shift that dynamic? And so one night I was going to tell her and couldn't. And so I went home and I just texted her and I said, hey, I wanted to tell you I couldn't, but I wanted to let you know that I'm gay. And she responded and she just said, you know what? Thank you so much for telling me. It doesn't change anything about who you are and it doesn't affect our friendship. And so then, you know, I went to bed and then the next day we went and got together and talked and, and everything was the same. Yeah, we, we discussed a little bit about my story, about why I was deciding to come out then, but she still treated me as like the friend that I was. Um, which was a huge blessing because she was a big strength throughout my my journey and my process of coming out. Um, after that, slowly, I started coming out to more individuals. I had another friend who I came out to um, who kind of the same situation. Um, she was a really, really good friend of mine. I had a lot of trust with her. We would talk a lot about um, LGBTQ issues as well as other issues in the church. And so I, I came out to her and with those two supporting me, I was able to start the process of coming out to my family who I was most worried about. Um, and so I was the most worried that my family was going to reject me and going to say, you know, now it sounds silly, but just basically like, hey, like, we just don't want you to be a part of our life anymore, or you're just not good enough. You're not meant to be in our, you know, in our family, um, which were, you know, really big fears and just hurt. Um, and so I just decided I was going to come out to each sibling individually. Um, and so I decided to to just kind of come out to them. Um, and in the process of coming out, we were, I was able to go and meet with each sibling and, and we had a conversation about what this meant for me, what it meant for my future and what it meant for the relationship. And without fail, each of my siblings told me like, no matter what you decide, if you decide to stay a celibate gay member of the church, if you decide to find a partner, you are still a part of our family and we love you and we honor the choices that you're going to make. And these are people who I was afraid to come out to because I had heard in the past of comments they had made about members of the community. Um, and, I, and I told them that because they all asked, well, why did you wait? Why, aren't you, why are you telling us now? Um, so it was really scary um, doing that. But, you know, like I said, they all were very supportive and very loving. And with, I'd say, the majority of them, it actually brought us a little bit closer. Why? You know, I, I'm a very, I'm a very calculated person, I would say. Well, look at your degree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of fits with the math. Right. Um, and, and so I like to think things through and I, I show the parts that I want to show when I'm around people. Um, and even around my family, even though I was able to really be myself most of the time, there was always that fear in the back of my mind. What if they find out, are they going to reject me? How long is how long will our relationship last? And so as that happened, I, I was able to just be 100% myself. Um, if you ask my family, most of them would tell you that like, I didn't change. I'm still who I am. I still have the same interests. I still do the same hobbies. I still make the same jokes. I'm the same person. The only difference, at least on, on my end, is that I don't have to like be on my guard 24 seven. And because of that, I'm able to be a little bit happier um, and one of the biggest compliments was my niece, um, was, was talking to, talking to me and talking to, you know, my brother, her dad about it and just mentioned before she even knew I had come out to them, how much happier I seemed. Um, and so I think it's because I am in a better spot. I don't have this mental weight dragging me down. I'm able to be myself 
which my family loves and cares about. Um, and I'm just, it opened up that communication. Um, you know, I had a, um, I had a brother who, when I was talking to him about coming out uh, and everything he mentioned, he's like, you know, why were you worried to come out to us? You've been our brother for 29 years. We loved you for 29 years. We're going to keep loving you. And that was when I realized it doesn't matter what other people think. Um, as long as like I have my family, everything's going to be okay. Um, and so things are still going great. My family's still very supportive. Um, and not everyone has had to come to terms with it on their own. Um, and so I think, you know, for um, listeners who are members of the LGBTQ community, I, I'd invite you to understand that coming out is a process for you, but it is a process for your family. It changes their, it, it affects them as well. Um, so give them love and give them time, just like that's what you would want from them as well. Um, and so I'm, I'm very grateful for all of that. Um, and then with, with my family, um, kind of affected my relationship with God as well. So, um, with God, I was very close to him growing up. Um, I remember praying for a testimony of the Book of Mormon in high school. I remember feeling his love when I was on my mission. Um, I remember being comforted when my mom passed away um, and no, feeling of his love and knowing that he was there. Um, as time went on, as I got home, I started myself pulling away from God. I didn't recognize it. Um, I, I think it was just in the little things, just getting a little annoyed, a little frustrated. Um, and if you had asked me a year or two ago, if I was angry with God, I don't think I would have said yes. Asking me today, I would have said for a good three, four years, I did have a lot of anger in my heart. Um, because growing up, one of my biggest desires was to have a family. In fact, the main reason I became a teacher was because I wanted to help people, but I wanted a job that would allow me to spend time with my family and to support any future children that I was going to have. Um, and of course, at that time, I, I was hoping that it would be in a straight uh, relationship. Um, and then when I got older, I realized that that just wasn't going to happen. And I was just so frustrated that these feelings that I think are good feelings of wanting a family, of wanting to take care of kids and, and to have a family, um, wasn't something I was going to be allowed to have, um, which is where I think a lot of the frustration and anger came from because I said, look, I have tried to, you know, I've tried to pray so that I'm no longer gay. I've tried to make things work. I've tried to find girls that I'm interested in and I just can't do it. And that's, you know, it's just not fair and it's just frustrating. Um, but what was really interesting was as I came out to my friends and in particular, as I came out to my family and as we discussed my relationship with the church, I felt almost like um, a shell dissolving around my heart, um, which is kind of a weird analogy, but I, I felt um, God's love as I was coming out. I felt the love um, that he had for me and how proud he was of me and my journey. Um, and then as I've continued to be on this journey and on this uh, path, um, I the spirit that I felt on my mission when I was in sacrament meeting, I'm finally feeling again every time I go to church. And I've missed that feeling. And I want, you know, I, I didn't think much of it a few years ago, but now that I have it back, I'm like, how did I not realize that that wasn't there? How did I not realize that I was missing that connection with, you know, my heavenly father? Um, and so as that's happened, I, I've been able to get back to praying. I've been able to get back to talking to him and just letting him know my worries, letting him know my fears. Um, and part of it is I have definitely felt prompted by him to continue on my path that what I'm doing is something that he would have me do. Um, and that I'm living in a way that brings, you know, honor to, to my family and to myself. Um, you know, it, it was scary thinking like, oh, you know, he, he's going to reject me or he's not going to love me. But, in, you know, as I said earlier, the love I felt from him now is probably the strongest I've ever felt it. Um, 
which has been a great blessing in my life and brought me a lot of comfort during some of the difficult days. Tim, this is a really good podcast. Listeners, I don't know what anybody's going to say. We don't spend a lot of time scripting these. We just kind of start. And there's that's really good stuff. Um, I wrote down, listeners, shell dissolving, a shell dissolving around my heart. Pretty good visual imagery to... I don't, I'm not clinically trained, but I would guess the feelings you've had around God with your mother dying, and these are things that are outside of your control, mm-hmm. um, and being gay and wanting a family and even choosing a career so you could be off early in the afternoon or late afternoon to coach and to be with your kids and, and having those two things that you can't control beyond the ability of you to make those happen in your life, your mom being alive and you having a family and a straight marriage, that would naturally, it would be pretty easy to sort of connect the dots and and find anger in God. I've learned to validate faithful Latter-day Saints that are angry at God. <laughs> um, I don't think that's an unfaithful place to be. I think it's a real place to be given the realities of some of our lives, and I think God can handle it. <laughs> I think the real test of our character is what we do with that anger over time and if we're able to get over it. And I love that you and I love that you were able to work through that. And that that shell dissolved around your heart once you came out. Tell us more if you want, and I think you've done a good job of this already, Tim, but tell us more about why coming out to kind of dissolved your anger with God. Is it because you came out to God too at the same time and you felt his love? Um just any more dots you connect for listeners that may be working through anger and wondering, is this a way to feel, have a better relationship with God? You know, um, it's something that I've thought a lot about because it was unexpected. Um, because as I came out, right, the focus was on the, you know, the earthly relationships. Um, but I think um, as I came out, I think the biggest reason was I came to accept and love myself and realize that I really am his son. Um, and yes, I have my problems and you know what we all do. Yes, we all have our issues. Um, but I came to realize that like, he's going to love me no matter what in the church. I, I feel like we talk a lot about unconditional love, but a lot of times, un, how, do, how do I phrase this? A lot of times unwittingly we say, yeah, we love you, but something. We always have almost a conditional statement that's not really conditional, but it comes off that way. And so I kind of have that thought of like, yeah, God loves me, but I'm gay. And so once I realized that he loves me and I'm gay, you know, taking away the but, that's a, like what dissolved the shell. That's what allowed me to fill of his love and realize that, you know, it doesn't matter who I am. He's going to love me. He wants me to make the best choices. He wants me to live the life um, that he wants for me. But even if I don't do that, even if I use my agency in a way that he doesn't approve of, he's going to love me. He's going to care about me. He's going to want to hear from me. And I think that even though I might have thought that before, I didn't feel it. And it was that change of perspective, I think, that allowed those feelings and emotions to enter into my life. Pretty good stuff. One of the hypotheses in the back of my mind is LGBTQ Latter-day Saints because there's less of an owner's manual. They have to then do more of what you're doing is to rely directly on our heavenly parents for personal revelation in their lives because their lives just have, it's just less clear how to make it work. And I don't want to infer that if you're straight that you don't have a personal relationship with heavenly parents, but what you've worked, what you've done is very on your own, but it's very much based on the doctrine of our church is receiving personal revelation for your path forward. And I think you make a good insight into our culture. We have a sort of a culture that worth is earned and worthiness is earned. And I think our worth is set. It isn't worthiness may come and go in the context of a temple recommend, but our worth to God is set. Um, Our ability to access his love, and his direction in our life, I think, is set. And I think you just helped us understand that. 
So that's something I think we can improve culturally to better match how our heavenly parents feel about us. Because <laughs> then I think if we feel the way you feel about our heavenly parents, we're more likely to believe we're worthy of getting direction from them. Yeah, it definitely was a big paradigm shift. Um, I liked that distinction you made between the being worthy and having and being and your worthiness. We are always worthy of God's love, regardless of if we are worthy to enter His house. And I think we don't always remember that. This is a tender question. Have you come out to your mom? And do you have any feelings how your mom would respond to having a gay son? And have you thought about that a lot? I don't know. How's that for a question for you? <laughs> no, yeah. I, yeah, that was definitely something I thought a lot about. I, uh, as I mentioned, I'm the youngest of seven and my next sibling is about three years older than me. So I spent three years at home with just my mom and my dad and got very close with my mom. Um, we did everything together. Um, you know, arguably she was my best friend. I wouldn't have said it at the time, but like, yeah, she was. Um, but yeah, that was on my mind. And that's part of the reason it was hard for me to decide to come out to my family was because how is my mom going to react? What is she going to think? Um, and that, that was on my mind a lot. And there were, there were two things that happened that really, um, blessed my life and really helped me. The first is, um, you know, after I'd come out to my siblings, I was talking to a brother and I mentioned that fear. I said, what is, what would mom think? And he just looked at me and he's like, Tim, that's a dumb question. She would love you. She would love you. Um, you know, she wouldn't have the answers. She wouldn't know exactly what your life is going to be like or, or anything like that, but she, you would still be her son. She would still love you as much as she had before. And that gave me the, the strength to kind of continue on, on the path, especially when I got doubts or concerns as I continued coming out to individuals. Um, and the second one is, is a, a very tender one and a very spiritual one. Um, I, uh, so I'm a volleyball coach as well, uh, for Ogden high school and volleyball was something my mom and I did together. She was a volleyball player. And then I played growing up and, and she would take me to games, take me to practices, you know, she'd give me her feedback and, and it's something very close, um, between us. Anyway, um, I was at a volleyball game recently and I don't even know why I was just thinking about my mom, just missing her. And I had the strongest sense that she loved me and that she was proud of me. And I, I needed that. Um, you know, losing a parent is hard. Um, it's hard no matter your age. Um, and it was really, really hard for me because I, I had so much of my life I wanted to share with my mom. Um, and what's really kind of powerful, at least for me, was because I have accepted God more, I think that's why I was able to have that spiritual experience. Um, because I hadn't had anything quite that strong before. Um, and I've had more sense, uh, uh, in particular with, with my mom's feelings. Um, and so I have no doubt in my mind that when I see her again, that she's going to hug me and, and just tell me that she loves me and she's proud of me. It's a great segment. I love that that experience happened around volleyball and the veil maybe was a little thinner there and she could talk to you. And I love that experience. And I love even that you've said that once I was a little closer with God, you felt like that experience with your mom was easier to happen. I just mourn with you that your mom's not here <laughs> to just, in your mind, wondering. And obviously the most important or one of the most important people in your life that you'd love to come out to and wonder how she responds is not here for you to know that firsthand. I love what your brother said. I love your own personal story. And there may be others listening that needed to hear that. Yeah. Talk about if you are you out to your dad? I am. Yeah. Um, my I came out to my dad after I'd come out to all my siblings, um, and it was a a very uh, tender moment. Um, I, I was worried about coming out um, to him just because you know I told my my siblings this like if a sibling rejects me, that'll hurt. But siblings fall apart, fall away sometimes from each other. Like that's just a part of life. But if I coming out to my dad and losing that father-son relationship was terrifying um, because, you know, as a child, all you want is for your parent to love you. Um, and so, yeah, I, I came out to him pretty quickly after I came out to all my siblings. And um, he has been very supportive. It, it's been, um, I think, challenging uh, for him because it's, 
it's new. It's not what he expected of my life. Um, but I honestly could not ask for a better father. Um, he's, we've been able to talk about it in regards to my relationship with the church and relationship to God and Christ and in my relationship to him and the family. And he has been so supportive and so understanding. Um, and as you know, both of us make mistakes on this journey. He's been very understanding. If I say, Hey, you know, like that kind of a phrase or that kind of a thought does hurt. And he's like, Hey, I, I wasn't aware. Will you tell me why? Cool. And I just, it really was. Cause that's not typically what happens when you tell someone that. And he is trying to understand and I'm very grateful to have him in my life. That's great. Other things that come to your mind you'd like to share, Tim? Um, just, you know, for, for anyone who, who has family members, um, who are member, who are uh, members of the LGBTQ community, just know that like, we, we do know the doctrine. We do know what the church teaches. We're there in church with you. This is not something that's just, oh, I feel like it today. This is a part of who we are. And when someone comes out to you, you don't need to bring up your feelings on the church because they're going to be aware. They just need to know that you love them and that you care about them, regardless of anything, that unconditional love that our heavenly parents have, just express that to them as well. I've sort of, and a phrase that's come to my mind, I even put in the book I wrote is generally LGBTQ Latter-day Saints are walking encyclopedias on our doctrine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and every conference talk and every sort of ensign article, anytime this subject has been brought up, you're often more aware and more um, than straight members. And so I think my reaction in the past when I heard someone was LGBTQ was to point them to the proclamation on the family or doctrine. And I've learned listeners, just like Tim's suggesting, that our LGBTQ members understand that. But I saw on Twitter the other day somebody just say, you know, for LGBTQ issues, the proclamation on the family handles all that. And I I sat with that thought for a long time. I never debated that person on Twitter, but I've recognized it really doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, uh, just to be clear, listeners, I support the proclamation of the family and that doctrine, but it doesn't tell you, Tim, how to live your life. Yeah. It doesn't tell you how to be cel celibate for the next 60 years. There's not a formula in there on how you do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so... I think it's dismissive to just say, Tim, read the proclamation of the family. That solves all the questions. I think what it does is keep me in my nice, tidy box that there's no complexity here. And I go on with my life and that answers your question without stepping into your circle and realizing the complexities of your circle. Are you okay with that? You know, I I am. I I thought a lot about the the family, you know, the proclamation of the family and and everything in it I I honestly agree with. But like you said, it doesn't have all the answers for me because my life is different. You know, I, I didn't choose this. Um, and so I think, you know, as you mentioned, that it can feel very dismissive when someone comes out and they just say, oh, well, just read the family, you know, the proclamation to the family. Um, and so, you know, for, for anyone who is in that situation, um, it's great to talk about and have open conversations with it, but don't use it as a way to dismiss their experience or their feelings. So I just, I agree with what Tim said. And I think there's a phrase in the proclamation of the family that opens the door for, I wrote it down the other day, but it's in other circumstances or other situations. This, it sort of opens the door that the proclamation of the family, a marriage isn't going to be possible for everybody in the church. And so I sometimes think when we're asked to teach about the proclamation on the family, the proclamation of the world on the family. It's, I'm not perhaps using the right title in the church the way it's titled, but we can maybe sometimes pick up that phrase and say, what do we do for members of the church that this isn't the reality of their life or possible to have happened? What an elder, elder Ballard and elder Gong opened that door really wide in conference in April when they talked about most adult members of the church are not married. Yeah, Some will, um, but some like, you know, some won't. And so the 
you know, being in a nuclear family is not the reality for half of the members of the church right now. So even for straight members, the proclamation of the family potentially could be, it can be triggering in the sense they just don't know how to make that happen in their life. And it's not the reality. And it could be othering or feel like they don't fit in or feel like they belong or feel like their voices is needed because they're not in a nuclear family. Any more thoughts on that? No, it's life's messy. Um, you know, I have a, I have a friend who, who, who mentioned this to me and, and just said like, you know, a lot of times it's when we don't understand someone's experience, we want to put it in a box because then it makes it easier for us to handle. Unfortunately, that's just not the way it works. Um, and so I think as, as every individual myself and everyone else, as we move forward, just try to understand that everyone's journey is different. Um, and we all honestly are doing the best that we can. We all want to do what we can to to have a good, happy life. It's a lot of grace in that, Tim. There's a lot of maturity. Thanks. And where you are right now, you're way beyond your 29 years. Um, this is a quote that comes to mind as Tim's talking about his future and just where he's been and where he's going. And Brene Brown, I read this every now and then, Brene Brown teaches that the most terrifying and destructive pe- feeling a person can experience is not belonging. It's not the same as being alone. It's the one that it's the feeling that one is locked out of the possibility of human connection and powerless to change the situation. And I'm going to leave the quote right now and say Tim is certainly sharing us with us how that feels for him when he did everything he knew how to do to be in a straight marriage and even his career and um, forward thinking what he wanted to be. But he's just powerless. It's it's like your mother passing in England. I mean, in Spain, it's just you're powerless to change the situation. So go back to the quote here. In the extreme, this physiological isolation can lead to a sense of hopelessness and desperation. People who don't do almost anything to escape this condemned isolation and powerlessness. And then Brene Brown says, what do we do? We empathize, we value, we embrace, and we help people know that they belong with us. So... How emotionally dark did you get in these years? You know, I, I pretty dark. Um, that's not something that I've, uh, I like to necessarily reflect on because I wasn't myself. You know, I, I remember, I think it was, when was it? I was at an Institute class. I want to say three years ago, I was with a friend and, you know, I was talking to her and I just said, I am so frustrated because I'm not who I know I should be. I'm not who I really am. And not even like talking about my sexual orientation, just who I was as an individual and my happiness and my, my personality just wasn't what it was. Um, and it's because as you know, that thing said, you know, that feeling of not belonging, um, you know, when I came out to my friend, that first friend, we talked about this and I said, it was so hard for me to be around my family because I felt like I didn't belong. Um, and, and I got depressed and I would get very anxious. Um, and thankfully, um, you know, thoughts of suicide were not super common, but they, they did pop up, um, because you do feel alone. You do feel as if no one understands and no one's going to try to understand, um, what it is you're going through and what it is you're feeling. And as you, you know, I, as you watch other members of the church get married, have kids, live the life that you might have wanted, it makes it a lot harder. Pretty honest, Tim. I, you know, listeners, when I meet with someone privately, I always ask them about their emotional health. I frequently ask about suicide if they have a plan. I just think if you're talking with people and they're a trusted friend, it's okay to ask them. I've learned listeners not to just say, and I recognize Tim wasn't in this space, but I reckon I, I don't just say, could you hurt yourself? I go all the way to, are you suicidal? And then do you have a plan? Because I've learned that that communicates to that person that they're safe to fully open up to you about the realities of what they're thinking. Versus if you just say you hurt yourself, they may just not feel safe to open up all the way. And I think we just have to be aware that people, LGBTQ, Latter-day Saints, particularly closet ones, can get in really dark spots. Yeah. 
and it can be pretty hopeless. And I love that you recognize that it was impacting you. And it wasn't just your sexual orientation. It was just you, you were trying to be something you couldn't be. And the realities of everybody's lives were just different than yours. And they weren't locked out of the things that you were locked out of. And just that kind of whirlwind. Yeah. Um, and I just sense you're in a much better place. I read this quote a lot on the podcast listeners. Fitting in is about assessing a situation and becoming who you need to be in order to be accepted. Belonging, on the other hand, doesn't require us to change who we are. It requires us to be who we are. Talk about that quote, Tim. You know, um, growing up, I was a people pleaser. Um, And so I was all about acceptance. I did everything I could to fit in and just try to be the, the, you know, the kid, the student, the sibling who, who was accepted by everyone. Um, And there is a big difference between being accepted and feeling like you belong. Um, You know, I I mentioned earlier about the, the barriers and my relationship with my siblings. And I think that that quote puts together pretty well why I do feel closer because before I was just trying to be accepted into my family, I was just trying to fit in and do um, the things that I thought would allow me to still be with them and to still grow with them. Whereas now that I'm out, now that I'm myself, um, 100% authentically, now I belong to my family. And it's not, you know, Tim and his siblings, it's us, it's a unit. Um, and so I definitely have seen the validity of that uh, statement in my life with my family and with my friends. And I think what do we do then, listeners, to create a feeling of belonging? And I think one of the things we can do is just create a culture in our families and in our wards where we're saying kind things about everybody at church, including LGBTQ people. I think we just have to reprogram our brains to realize there's closeted, likely LGBTQ people within our voice. And if we can, you know, if nine out of the 10 comments, a closeted LGBTQ person is hearing in their family or their ward family are positive about people like them. And I would guess the ratio wasn't like that for you growing up, Tim. (laughs) You know, it it was not. (laughs) (laughs) And that doesn't change any doctrine listeners to just change our culture and our family culture to consistently say kind things about LGBTQ people. And then I think it communicates a, a feeling that we're safe for people. I, you know, I've shared this on the podcast last year, being a YSA bishop on social media, I started post kind things about gay people and no more gay people came out to me, but the straight members of the ward, many straight members said, okay, I can talk to this guy. He can, he just feels safe for me. And it's, a, it's just, it's a principle of ministering that I think is really important and in a divisive world right now where we're finding enemies everywhere on the other side of the aisle or, you know, there's been a lot of things that divide us as society. I think if we can create a culture, which our leaders really want to create, and I think and other cooks comment about unity and diversity is a beautiful concept that I think our hearts knit together. It's represented in Mosiah, I believe, where that scripture is. But the hearts knit together doesn't mean we all become the same. It's hearts knit together with all of our beautiful diversity. With That's to me is creating Zion. It's Tim with us <laughs> being gay and sharing his experience and feeling like he belongs. And, and that to me is hearts knit together. It's not just straight people having a great experience at church or people of a certain political party or a certain whatever, to me, the hearts knit together is all the beautiful diversity of Heavenly Father's children coming together to create Zion. I think about one of our temple covenants. We can talk more about those a little more openly after Bednar's talk, but there's wording in one of those covenants about creating Zion. And I think about that a lot. And I think you're helping us create Zion, Tim. Yeah. And we have work to do in this space. More thoughts that come to your mind. Just uh, to reiterate, um, One of the reasons I did take a while to come out to my family was because every single comment they make about LGBTQ members stayed in my mind, every single one. And anytime I thought about coming out and talking to them, it'd replay. Um, And so- Isn't that fascinating, listeners? I mean, probably your siblings don't even remember saying most of those, but listen to Tim, pretty tough guy, (laughs) Um, you know, 
every one of those comments stuck in your brain. Yeah, no, it was, it was interesting. Cause, um, you know, I, I would even tell my siblings, I said, yeah, you said this once. And, and I thought about that a lot and it was just one comment. It's not like we, they were always talking about, you know, the members of the community. They just made one passing comment as they saw someone in the media or as somebody else came out. Right. And it stuck. Um, so just, just be careful because people are listening. Um, and I don't think my siblings meant anything of it. Um, part of it is, you know, how they grew up. Part of it is what they had been exposed to. They didn't have the same experiences as me. And so I had no ill will towards them, but just, it's important to be careful because you don't know who's listening. You don't know who is in your life that is struggling because they are in the closet for whatever reason. And all they need is someone to love, uh, to love them for who they are. And so, you know, um, you mentioned that as a bishop, no one has come out to you since, right? But the two friends who I came out at the beginning, the reason I chose them was because they had made such positive comments about members of the community before that even though I was terrified they were going to reject me, I knew the rejection wasn't going to necessarily be the same as it was from some who I'd heard maybe a negative comment. So just, just be aware and it, it makes a difference. And I look at the doctor foundation for what your friends did is to me, I look at Christ mm-hmm. and his ministry and, um, everybody that everybody said he shouldn't be with, he invited to dinner. He got Zacchaeus out of that tree. Mm-hmm. He let the Canaan woman be around him. She wasn't even Jewish. He was, his ministry was in some ways to the Jewish people. And she, you know, came to him. So I think of these examples over and over again, people in society that Jesus was told not to be with or not to do on a certain day he was there. And so I think, that timeless ministry that's obviously more than just, you know, it includes an atonement and a resurrection, but there's stories in that whole um, life ministry that to me are what we need to do in our day. I, we talk about the Book of Mormon written for our day, and I agree with that very much so, but I look at Christ's ministry, particularly with the divisiveness in the world and the principles that he taught that I think are timeless um, to help bring us together. Yeah. And I love that you knew these two people were, and as a parent and as a friend, isn't that what we want is people like Tim to open up and so we can walk with them on their road and just look how happier you are when you're authentic and people are kind of walking with you. Yeah. Makes a big difference. Makes a big difference. Talk about if there's local priesthood leaders listening, any advice for local priesthood leaders? Um, or women's leaders, yeah, <laughs> just local leaders. Just leaders. Um, the biggest thing is love them and understand that they are on a journey. Um, you know, as I said this earlier, and I'm going to reiterate this, but as part of uh, being an educator, one of my core beliefs is that everybody wants to do the best they can. They just don't always have the the tools. And so I would say never assume that the members in your church, um, if they come out to you, that they're doing it for ulterior motives. Um, they are doing the best they can with, with where they are in their lives. Um, and so love them, validate them. Um, I, I think that's the other thing is just make sure to validate. Um, and really the, the best way to do that is just say, hey, I don't understand what you're going through and I never will but I'm here to walk with you and love you regardless of where your path takes you. Whether you, you know, for someone like myself as a gay member, whether you choose to stay celibate um, and go on that path or whether you choose to find a partner and go on that path, I will love you and I will still treat you as, you know, a a brother or sister in Christ that you are because we all are. Um, And that validation goes a long way. You want to talk at all about your future? Um, So right now my future is just kind of up in the air. Um, I'm not sure which path I'm going to take right now. Um, I'm leaning a little bit towards finding a partner um, because my personality um, is about being with people. Um, You know, I, I... God's, I feel, giving me a great capacity to love, and and I think having a partner would a lot uh, augment that. Um, but you know, I'm still praying. I'm still on this path, 
and I'm not in a rush to, to figure it out. I'm just taking it a day at a time. Um, but yeah, I think whichever way I go, the church and God will stay close to me um, and will be a very important part of my life. That's a good answer. It's an honest answer. <laughs> it's a safe answer a little bit. <laughs> I think, it, it, you know, I'm, I just think it's a good answer. I think you're your very personal best you've been your whole life right now. So I think you're in the best position of your life to better under, to understand your future. Yeah, I agree. And I think you're coming to your future from a position of strength. And that's me talking to you listeners as well as Tim. Um, so I think a lot of this journey, if you're LGBTQ, is to get in the very best place you can get, maybe before you decide exactly what your future is. Your relationship with God, emotionally stable, out to friends and family, and just feel like you've got this support system in place as you're trying to figure out your best path forward. I've always just felt like you want to be your personal best when you come to these forks in the roads. And I think you are your personal best right now. I think in 10 years, you'll be even a better version of you, Tim. Thanks. And then I just say, I trust you, brother. This is... Um, uh, the realities of your road are different than the realities of my road. When I was your age, I was married at your age, but um, I just trust you to continue to, I'd invite you to stay close with God and um, go slow like you're doing. And I just say, I trust you to know the best path for you. And I'm going to leave any judging on our Savior's feet. And um, and that's what I do with the people. I don't have stewardship responsibility. I'm not a local leader of anybody that's LGBTQ listeners. But when I just meet with somebody, that's my general framework. That's probably the same framework I took with the YSAs is, you know, I always invite people to stay in the church and follow church teachings. But my relationship with them was not conditional on that. My ability, my desire to walk with them was not conditional on anything. <laughs> um, I just wanted to be um, involved in their life and um, be helpful for them any way that they felt I could be helpful for them. Often I let the YSAs define the relationship on how best I could help them. There were some YSAs that weren't even active in the church and they needed my help in other areas, Tim. And I just felt that's fine. I'll be glad to help you any way I can help you. And some then became active, but some didn't. And I didn't feel that my role in any of their lives was sort of an agenda a certain outcome. I just felt like God wanted me to be involved in their lives because they deserve for me to be involved in their lives because they're children of heavenly parents. <laughs> um, any more thoughts that come to your mind? No, just uh, thank you. I've, I've listened to your podcast a lot and it was helpful on my journey. And so hopefully, you know, as you continue uh, that you will be able to continue helping, you know, members of the church who are on a similar journey to mine and that they will know that they will be lo loved no matter where they end up. Tim um, DM'd me on Instagram during a Sunday, and I love that he got an impression during church, maybe. Yeah, it was during church, yeah. <laughs> to DM me on Instagram, and I'm glad to have people on the podcast as much as I can. We're kind of booked out a couple months in advance now, and but we do want to be have this a platform to people to share their stories. Cause, and this is, I think you can gather, we're not trying to create a certain specific narrative. Every story is a little different. So that's one of the things I hope you enjoy about the platform is there's a lot of different stories. Um, the common, usually the common thing is that um, with the LGBT stories is there LDS and LGBTQ. Have you asked God how he feels, why he made you gay? Um, you know, or that's a leading question because that is sort of at <laughs> first he did make you gay. Yeah. So I don't know. If you have any thoughts on just why you're gay, you know, uh, honestly, I'm not. I'm not sure. I have thoughts and and ideas, but none that I feel super comfortable sharing. It's good. Um, but I think the biggest thing is it's because we all have our own journey. I don't know why it is the way it is, and you know, like I said, I have some theories, um, but ultimately. You know, it doesn't, for me at least, it doesn't matter why. It used to. I used to be like, well, why? Why me? Why not someone else? Um, but then I realized it doesn't matter why I am because I am. And I think it's okay and it's great that I am. And I'm happy that I am because this why, is me. Why are you happy you're gay? Um, 
just because it, not that I'm happy that I'm gay. I'm just happy with who I am and being gay is a part of that. That's great. Um, you know, if, if given the chance, I don't know if I would switch, right? That's not possible. So it's kind of a fruitless question, but ultimately I think rather than dwelling on the why focusing on how can I be the best me that I can be? That's a pretty good, I don't know if you've, that's a pretty good, you've just been a good therapist there, Tim, I think, <laughs> because you've helped people probably focus on things that are within their control yeah. instead of the why, what now, looking forward with the reality of your life. Your mom's gone. There may be a big why about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> um, but there's a what now, my mom's gone, what now, I'm gay. Um and just moving forward with the things you could control. Um, talk to questions keep coming in my mind. Talk to a closeted teenager right now in a rural Utah city. That's <laughs> thinking they're like, you know, this is, I mean, I'm just, I'm not, I'm gay in a community that there's never been a gay person ever. <laughs> and I'm in a family that there's never been a gay person ever. And there just seems a little more acceptance in a big metro city, but I'm in this rural, I don't know. I mean, just talk to that kid right now. You know, I, I was that kid. <laughs> I, uh, uh, yeah, that, that was me. Um, for those who are in a similar situation where you're in a, in a rural and rural community um, and, you know, in, in a similar situation with, with you, know, you know, a very religious family that you're worried a little bit about is find Find your people um, and be the best you that you can be because that's what I focused on when I was in high school. Um, I wasn't super concerned with relationships. Um, no, now I understand it's because I, I was gay and I knew that wasn't going to happen. Um, at the time, I just thought I was weird. Um, but it allowed me to f- pursue a lot of different interests to find what is it about life that sparks my passion. Um, and so... Being a teenager is hard. Feeling alone is hard. Find people who have those similar interests and find people who are safe. Even if it's just one person, even if it's just a sibling, if it's just your mom, just your dad, an aunt, even if it's just your best friend, find your sibling and understand that it will get better. It's hard. It is hard now. Um, and it, it will likely continue to be hard for a little bit. You know, but um, there's a quote from a book and I, I wish I had it, but the essence is, you know, I can't make the rain go away. I can't make the clouds and the storms disappear, but I can promise you that the sun will come out and that you will feel warmth again. And so that's what I would say is that even if you're passing through times of endless rain, of endless thunder and clouds, you will feel the warmth again. You are loved. You are needed. And we're glad you're here. It's a great answer. I'm glad you're in the public school district. <laughs> Maybe you'll talk about this at times and as our school districts need to talk about this in a way that's just the way you talked about it. Very hopeful. Thanks. And our church to talk about, I mean, I think, um, I think both Tim and I agree that you, if you're that kid we just described, you may not need to come out right now. It may not be the best thing for you to come out yep. in high school in a rural area and in a big city area. Tim's out at 29. I think we'd both want to communicate that you've got to figure out the right time. You can be authentic to yourself and accept this about yourself like Tim did. Tim was a two-step process. If you pick that up earlier in the podcast, he came out to himself. And then decide it was come out to others. I think you can come out to yourself um, early. And I think that can help you have a great relationship with your heavenly parents. But I think you've got to figure out, given your community and your family situation, just is the right time. And I think you can be authentic and not come out to everybody and just know that it's not the right time. Any thoughts on that, Tim? 100% agree. Um, I actually had a brother who, when we were talking about you know, me being gay, he mentioned how even five years ago, we would have been having a very different conversation. Um, Don't let that stop you from coming out to yourself and loving who you are. Um, And just make sure it's the right time. We feel a lot of pressure. We feel rushed at at that age to know exactly who we are. Um, But it's okay, right? Find out who you are 
And then when you're in a safe place, when you feel like it's the right time, then come out to those individuals who you know you'll be able to come out to. Um, yeah. It's great. I love the way you kind of separated that. Very helpful for listeners. Help for me. Tim Wright, great podcast. So many golden nuggets. I've been using that term quite a bit, but every podcast <laughs> we're in the 400s has unique and thoughtful and deeply spiritual insights. And Tim, you kind of bring this great mind of yours. Um, it's not just this analytical mind. It's this great ability to reason and understand and be thoughtful and this great heart. Um, you have a great life ahead of you. Um, you know, the way you're going to serve in our community, your personal life, I just think you should feel all the hope you're feeling right now about your future. I think yeah. that's the way your Heavenly Father would want you to feel. I go back to you. I think you're your very best personal best you've ever been. But it's taken a lot of work on your part. You haven't done and to get to where you are is a great accomplishment um, with the things we understand, like degrees and jobs, but the things you've done largely behind the scenes by coming to terms with your sexual orientation and then coming out. So this is Tim Wright and Richard Osler signing off on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. <laughs>